and welcome. I'm Pastor Vince, and this is Applying God's Word, a Bible teaching ministry from the Word of God. This is study number 35, titled, The Holy Spirit Testifies About Christ. When our Lord was talking to his disciples on the night before his crucifixion of the Comforter, or Advocate, as is written in some translations, he said this in John 15, verses 26 and 27. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. When Peter and the other disciples were strictly commanded by the Jewish council not to teach in the name of Jesus, they said, We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. It is clear from these words of Jesus Christ and the apostles that it is the work of the Holy Spirit to bear witness concerning Jesus Christ. We find the Holy Spirit's testimony to Jesus Christ in the scriptures, but the Holy Spirit also bears witness directly to the individual heart concerning Jesus Christ. He interprets scriptures to us and makes them clear to us for he guides us in all truth and bears witness to him who is the truth, that is, Jesus Christ. It is only through the testimony of the Holy Spirit directly to our hearts that we ever come to a true living knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triunity and the name which most of us are familiar. One such familiar passage is in Luke 11, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? This name emphasizes the essential moral character of the Spirit. He is holy in Himself. We are so familiar with the name that we neglect to weigh its significance. If we only realize more deeply and constantly, that he is the Holy Spirit. We would do well if we, as the seraphim in Isaiah's vision, would bow in his presence and cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. Yet oftentimes we thoughtlessly talk about him and pray for him without the consideration of his infinite holiness. We pray for him to come into our churches and into our hearts, but what would he find if he should come there? Would he find much that would be painful and agonizing to him? But as sinful and selfish and imperfect as we may be, the infinitely Holy Spirit is ready to come and take his dwelling in our heart if we will surrender to him the absolute control of our lives and allow him to bring everything in thought and desire and feeling and purpose and imagination and action into conformity with his will. The infinitely Holy Spirit is ready to come into our churches, however imperfect and worldly they may be now, if we are willing to put the absolute control of everything in his hands. But let us never forget that he is the Holy Spirit, and when we pray for him, let us pray for him as such. 
In the book of Isaiah, there is a story about the prophet Isaiah's vision of heaven in chapter 6. In this vision, Isaiah sees seraphim angels worshiping God. Isaiah becomes aware of his sinfulness in the presence of God. He looks at God, cries out in fear, and an angel comes from heaven to help Isaiah overcome his sense of unworthiness. Verses 1 through 4 of chapter 6 describe what Isaiah saw in his heavenly vision. Let's read it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. The seraphim used one pair of wings to cover their faces so they would not be overwhelmed by directly looking at God's glory. Another pair of wings to cover their feet as a sign of respect and submission to God. And another pair of wings to move around joyfully as they celebrate. Their angelic voices were so powerful that the sound caused shaking and smoke in the temple where Isaiah was praying when he sees the heavenly vision. In verse 5, Isaiah is struck with the sense of his own sinfulness, and he's overcome with fear about the potential consequences of seeing God while in his own sinful condition. While the Bible says that no living human being can see the essence of God the Father directly, doing so would mean death, it is possible to see signs of God's glory from a distance in a vision. It is widely believed by theologians that the part of God Isaiah saw was the Son, Jesus Christ, prior to his incarnation on earth, since the Apostle John writes in John 12, verse 41, that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory, referring to this passage. Now continuing with Isaiah 6, verse 5. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. In verses 6 and 7, God sends one of his angels to help Isaiah stop feeling guilty for looking directly at God in the vision. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. By honestly confessing his feeling of being unworthy to look upon God, God sends his angels to purify his soul. It's significant that the part of Isaiah's body that the seraph angel touched was his lips since Isaiah would begin speaking prophetic messages from God to people after experiencing this vision and angelic encounter. The angel cleansed, strengthened, and encouraged Isaiah so that Isaiah could call others 
to turn to God for the help they needed in their own lives. Isaiah, freed from the guilt that had been holding him back, offered to enthusiastically accept whatever assignment God wanted to give him. He becomes a prophet of God. The great promise of the Father until the coming of Christ was the coming atoning Savior and King. But when Jesus came and died his atoning death upon the cross of Calvary and arose and ascended to the right hand of the Father, then the second great promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit who testifies of Christ to take the place of our ascended Lord. May the Holy Spirit call us too to bear witness to Christ and also be cleansed, strengthened, and encouraged like Isaiah so that we too call others to turn to God for the help they need in their own lives.